Good evening. It is good to see each of you. It is good to be together on this Sunday night together to worship God. You may feel like you're an hour tired than what you usually are at this time. And that's all right, too. We can relax. We can study God's Word. And, and that is just what a, a wonderful and beautiful opportunity we have to do that. Before we dive into this study, I'd invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. How could we go into a study this month of live truth without spending at least some time in Psalm 119. And we'll get into that in just a few minutes of why we'll do a few lessons out of that on Sunday evenings for a few weeks. We will pick back up with our series that we started a couple of weeks ago before Missions Emphasis Sunday. And uh, we'll spread that throughout the year as time uh, permits uh, where we'll study those faithful sayings that Paul said to Timothy and to Titus. And we'll look forward to continuing that also uh, in the future. We rejoice that some are not here tonight. We're thankful that the Whites are in China, uh, John and Andrea and their entire family, and they have officially adopted Joe. And this is an actual picture, of course, of them in China in that adoption process. And we rejoice with them and we are so thankful. Now that also reminds us of the announcement we made this morning. Be sure and check the bulletin for details about an agape dinner that's going to take place next month. And also the opportunity to go to Happy Hills. Is that the name of it? I went... Happy Haven. I knew something didn't sound right. To go to Cookville, to Happy Haven, to a Friday evening with bluegrass music and also learning about the great work there. For many of us, uh, that is a, a work that's been in existence for a while, but we have not had a, a just a real intimate and close relationship with them. And a couple of our deacons, Daniel and Eric, that work in this area, because Cookville is so close to us, they want to strengthen that relationship. And so over the next few years, uh, we will learn more about this great work. And, and next month is an opportunity for some of us to do that. So be sure and, and sign up for that. Also, we're thankful that we have a big group in El Salvador this week. They'll be coming back Saturday and uh, they, they left this uh, yesterday morning, this past Saturday, and uh, we're thankful for the good that they're doing. Now, these are not actual pictures. Uh, these are, are from a few years ago. As a matter of fact, on this next picture, if you'll look at that good-looking guy in the left-hand corner, you'll notice that that is our very own Matt Collins, and he just happens to be sitting right there. That's not him? That's not you? Okay, but you were on that trip, weren't you? Okay. Hey, and that brings us to this. We want to mention Matt being here, even though he's not there. He's here. And... Uh, Matt and Macy, we rejoice with them as they have served in a wonderful fashion at Rivergate. Just all you hear is good about their ministry that they've done at Rivergate. And they have just accepted a work at Jefferson Avenue in Cookville. And they'll begin that in a couple of weeks. And uh, we rejoice with them with that opportunity that they have. And we know that they're going to continue to do a good work there just as they have in Rivergate. And we also rejoice in them that uh, they are expecting. And so we rejoice that there's a baby on the way. Uh, a lot of good things happening. And again, this past week, I continued to hear just individual stories over and over about great works that our young ladies serving Christ and our young soldiers serving Christ have done over the past few weeks with their services and their banquets and their, their uh, ways that they led and participated. And we just want to again say to you, you fire us up. We are so thankful for the way that you have invested your life, uh, even at a young age, in growing 
to learn better how to serve God. And we hope that you will do that for the rest of your life, that, that this is just a growth that will never stop growing, like that acorn that turns into that mighty oak tree. When we think about the expectation that God has for you, it really, really is exciting. I love Psalm 119. The story is told about Mary and Jim, and Mary uh, became very sick, and she had to spend an extended time in the hospital. One of the negatives was that Mary and Jim had a little dog named Lucky that was like a family member to them. And Lucky became very depressed while Mary was in the hospital. And, and after a few weeks in the hospital, when Mary came home, she told her husband, she said, I'm, I'm just too tired right now to, to uh, go upstairs to our bedroom. Let me just lay down and take a long nap on the couch, and then later on tonight, I'll go upstairs. Well, of course, as they entered the living room, Lucky and Mary had a, a wonderful reunion of seeing each other again, and, and she held Lucky until she fell asleep. Now, there's something you need to know about Lucky. Anytime they had guests in their house overnight, they would always have to tell them, zip your suitcases up. Lucky will steal your possessions. Now, the good news is, if Lucky did steal any possessions, they knew exactly where to get them. Lucky, down the steps and in the basement, had a treasure chest. And she kept all of her toys in the treasure chest. So if anything did come up missing, they could go down the stairs and they could rum rummage through this huge treasure chest and they could find whatever Lucky decided to steal of the house guest. Well, when Mary fell asleep, she's covered there in a blanket and she was sound asleep for an hour or so. And when she woke up, she really didn't even know where she was at first. And then she couldn't figure out, why does this feel so strange? And Lucky had gone down one by one and brought all of his treasures up and laid them on top of her. When she woke up, she was covered from head to foot of Lucky's treasures. If there was someone you loved and you were going to share your treasures with them, what would it be? What is it that you love that you would share with others that you love? I hope that one of the first things that any of us would say is I treasure the Word of God. And the opportunity to share that with anyone else would be a great and a wonderful opportunity. Tonight, I don't think if we talked all night long, we could say enough good about Psalm 119. If you have your Bible open, you'll notice it's a very, very, very long chapter. Longest chapter in the Bible of 172 verses. If you have your Bible open, you also notice that it's laid out in 22 stanzas. And the reason this piece of poetry is written in that way is because it's acrostic and what I agree with the scholars that say it's not just any acrostic, it is acrostic of acrostics. In other words, the Hebrew language has 22 letters in its alphabet. And all 22 stanzas, each verse of the stanza begins with the prescribed letter of the alphabet. In other words, the first stanza is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The second stanza is the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, going all the way up to the 22nd stanza and the 22nd letter of the Hebrew alphabet. 
But what is so beautiful about this study is that every verse, and, and it might be one or two verses, but literally that would be it in, in exception. But other than one or two verses, every verse talks about the Word of God. Think about that. For 172 verses, almost every verse says something beautiful about the Word of God. I hope that what we study tonight will just be a beginning of perhaps us spending the week individually reading several of these stanzas of Psalm 119 to remind us of why we do and why we should love the Holy Word of God. Now, I guess if the psalmist writing this used the same word to describe the Word of God 172 times, it'd kind of get redundant. And so what the psalmist chose to do was use about eight or nine different words that all of those words describe the Word of God. But don't get, don't get wrapped up in there must be some huge difference of why one word is used one place and another word is used another. It, it, it is helpful to see the different words, but, but that's not the emphasis, I do not believe. I believe the emphasis is every time it's the Holy Word of God that he's referring to and he's just using different words that describe the Holy Word of God. You have different things in, in your life that people call you, right? You know, a lot of people call me David. But then my mama from time to time would call me David Roy Shannon. And I always listened when that came. Two or three, two or three of my closest friends still call me Earl. I'll spare you that story, but that goes back almost 40 years. There are a few people in my life that every time they have called me something, to my knowledge, they've called me preacher. There are a lot of things that I've been called, but all of those refer to the same person. What I want you to realize is that when we study Psalm 119, there are different words that are descriptions of the very same holy word of God. In 1997, the Nelson Study Bible that was published that year gave this chart right here. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on this chart, but here are a listing of the words. In other words, the word law, as it's used primarily, the readers at the day and time that Psalms was written would have thought about this being especially the first five books of the Old Testament. Testimonies are God's standards of conduct according especially the Ten Commandments. Way or ways is talking about the pattern of life that, that would be exemplified if we lived the Holy Word of God. And then precepts is a commandment or requirement. A statute is an enacted law. A commandment is an order or God's decrees. You remember this morning when we read over and over Jesus saying, keep my commandments. Jesus was literally saying, and I know, I know this perhaps could verge on being not politically correct today. You know, we, we like to think of things, you know, not so straightforward today. But literally when Jesus says, keep my commandments, he's literally saying, I'm ordering you. That's, that's what the word commandment means. I, I'm not throwing out a suggestion. I'm giving you an order. I expect you, if you love me, keep what I say. All right, let's read on. Judgments or rules, uh, that's a binding law, judicial uh, decision. Still today, we use that the same, don't we? We wonder what a, a judge's judgment is going to be when he makes a decision. Word, very common word to describe the holy word of God, including promises, 
It's a general term of God's revelation. All right. Out of all of these, I picked one. Now, over the next few weeks, we'll probably pick another one and another stanza. Tonight, would you join me in a study from verse 9 to verse 16 of this great chapter? This is, of course, the second stanza. And let's just dive right into it. It's absolutely beautiful. What treasure do we see about the Word of God as we study this? First, let's read it together, and then let's dissect it a little bit. We are in Psalm 119. We're going to begin reading in verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your Word. Now, I'll try to place a little emphasis each time we see a reference to the Word of God, okay? With my whole heart, I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways, and I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. What a beautiful, beautiful description of the power and beauty of God's holy word as a treasure. What is the ultimate goal in your life? I hope that all of us know our purpose in life is ultimately to glorify God. Isn't it interesting that we catch a glimpse of that most definitely in this passage, but we see it not only from a proactive sense, we also see it coming, if you will, from a negative sense. Drop down with me again to verse 10. And notice, notice here on this highlight here, verse 10, where he says, With my whole heart I have sought you. That reminds us of the first and greatest commandment, is it? That we love God with all of our heart. And then we say, well, what are we trying to do with every aspect of our life? With every aspect of our life, we're seeking to live in a way that we are seeking God in how we live. We're seeking God for an eternity, for our future. And so he brings this out very clear that, that a study of God's word is not simply academic so that we could become scholarly. And that's, that's not to knock the importance of people studying deeply and becoming scholarly. But that's not the reason we're given the holy word of God. The reason we're given the holy word of God is so we can seek God. Think about how much you and I know about God because of the word. Think how little we would know about God if we did not have the word. And so we see that out of verse 10. But drop down with me in verse 11 and notice this from another angle. He says, your word I have hidden in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. If we're going to glorify God in our life, we must live a life that seeks him in everything. But then let's come at that from an entirely different angle. The negative angle to approach that is to say, I want to live a life where I do not sin against God. Have you ever thought that when we live a life where we do not sin against God, we are glorifying God? It's impossible for me to set out and say, oh, I don't care if I sin, but I want to live a life that glorifies God. You can't do it. In other words, if we say, I want to live a life that glorifies God, we immediately become concerned about 
I want to glorify him. And I understand that sin has no place in the presence of God. God is holy. God can't embrace sin. God can't fellowship sin. God can't spend an eternity with sin. That's why grace and redemption is so beautiful. We come to the Lord to be forgiven of sins. Remember, we studied a lot last year about sanctification. We're in the world, guilty of sin, surrounded by sin. Sanctified means that we have been set apart. We have been forgiven, and now we've been brought into fellowship with God. Here, we seek to live a life where we avoid sin. Now, we're thankful that God understands that we're not perfect, but that doesn't lower the standard where then we say, like Romans 6, shall we remain in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. In other words, we never can, we should not ever misuse grace to justify a life of sin. And so we say, I want to glorify God. That means I would seek God in everything that I do. I want to glorify God. That means I would seek to avoid sin every opportunity that I have to do so. All right. This stanza began with those words, how can a young man cleanse his ways? In other words, this passage is going to talk a whole lot about how the Word of God can help us glorify God. The Word of God can help us seek Him. The Word of God can help us avoid sin. Let's study how this would look. Let's go back again. And I want you to look at verse 11. And uh, we're, we're going to look at one more point, And then we're going to just quickly look at a single point out of each verse here. But look at verse 11 again, where he says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Think about those three things in that first line of verse 11. Your word. God's holy word. There's nothing else like it. I want to state the obvious, but you know, sometimes we need to slow down and allow the obvious to become the profound. Do you realize there is no substitute for the holy word of God? There is nothing you can bring in your life and you say, you know, I just don't have time to learn the word of God. Okay, what are you going to put into this place that you can live spiritually? Nothing. Well, you know, I, I just don't like the Holy Word of God because it tells a lot of things to do that I don't like. Okay, so what are you going to turn to to have life? Nothing. Just think on that. This week, do some meditating. Do, do some contemplating. Give some serious thought to the fact there is no substitute for the Holy Word of God. And so he begins this verse by saying, your word I will hide. And the word hide here has to do with to treasure or to protect. You know, if you want to protect something, you don't just casually leave it laying out and around. If you want to protect it, you keep it within your security in the sense you're hiding it from danger. Well, where do we hide the holy word of God so that it can do the greatest good in the heart? The word of God in their day and time, they, they would have as they should, they would have treasured the Ten Commandments. They would have treasured the words that had been spoken by prophets and judges and even patriarchs and kings. But all of that that had been written and had been orally stated outwardly, it does no good unless it comes to the heart. The Word of God 
does not have power in our lives until it comes into the heart. So with that in mind, I'd like for you to notice these two things. The Word of God should be stored in our heart, but then second, we should place a high value in living God's holy word. It's supposed to make a difference in our life. And so as, as we go through all of, of the rest of this few minutes here studying these verses, just think about that. It does no good if it remains external to me. It does no good to me. Now, it does good to other people and it does good to other Christians, but it doesn't do good to me if the word of God remains external. And then second, if when I do take it in, if I don't place it as a high value and say, I want it to change me. In other words, I value this. I prioritize it. It's a treasure. I'm going to live this. And so it must be inward and it must be lived. And when we can do those things, then we are starting to live what the psalmist was teaching in Psalm 119. So take your Bible, let's back up to verse nine. Uh, you know, the, it's, it's rich. We could spend a lot of time on each verse, but our goal right now is just kind of bullet these verses and see what we can gain out of this time together of taking the word of God inside us and allowing it to change us and mold us. Verse nine, how can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word. Take heed is a beautiful phrase that on one hand sounds so simple, we might actually take for granted that it doesn't mean a lot. I'm not saying you think about it that way, but sometimes words become so common. I just want to remind you tonight what the word take heed means. Take heed means to circumspectly walk your life. And, and I've said this to you before. I know that's not a word we oftentimes use, and sometimes we shy away from words we don't oftentimes use. But I've said to you before, I'm not going to shy away from that word. That is such a beautiful, precise word. The word circumspect means to carefully place your steps. Notice, we are to take heed by the word of God. In other words, we are to take the word of God and say, I'm not just placing my, my footsteps anywhere. I'm not just going to go in any place. I'm going to place my footsteps according to what God's word says. That's why take heed also means to narrow. In other words, if we are going to live the holy word of God, we're going to take heed, which means there are a lot of things in this world that this world offers us that we say, I don't put my feet there. Listen, there's a lot of places on Friday and Saturday night if I'm taking heed of the word of God, my feet won't go in those places. There's a lot of footsteps of gossip. There's a lot of footsteps of dishonesty. There's a lot of footsteps of greed. There's a lot of footsteps of materialism. There are a lot of footsteps that if I am following the holy word of God, my feet will not go in those places. In other words, that's too broad of living. If I'm truly living the word of God, it's going to be certain, I'm going to be carefully placing and, and it's going to become narrow. In other words, God is saying, you see all that over there? Don't do that. You see all that? Don't do that. God, where do you want me to walk? He says, it's a narrow path. Remember Jesus in Sermon on the Mount even said, it's a difficult path. Well, what do you do on difficult paths? You carefully place your feet on difficult paths. That's why take heed means circumspectly. You carefully place your feet. Beautiful thought there about narrowing our approach through the holy word of God. Look at verse 10. With my whole heart, I have sought you. 
Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Why do we study the Word of God? There's no greater motive to study the Word of God than to seek God. I want to know God better. I want to know God's ways better. I want to know God's love for me better. I want to know how I can better this morning express God's love to Him. All that we learn in Scripture ought to be revolving around with God in the center. And so here the psalmist says, I'm seeking you. Now note this. I'm seeking you. Let me not wander from your commandments. In other words, what's implied there is, if I keep my focus on you, I'm also going to keep my focus on your commandments. When do we lose sight of God? We lose sight of God when we lose sight of God's will. Have you ever noticed that when we're humble and when we're very focused on doing the will of God, we also become close to God? Why do we study Scripture? To draw near to God. Don't wander. Have you ever played out in the ocean and after about an hour you come to realize that you're not anywhere close to where you used to be? It always amazes me how that works. You know, you, you look at a landmark and you're like, wait a minute, where, where are we? And, and then, then you realize, you know, you look, you look 200 yards up the beach and you're like, we started out over there an hour ago. How did we get here? When you're not focused on a set point, think about the lesson this morning, what's truth, it's objective. When you're not focused on a set point, you can, now look at the word here, wander. You can wander from his commandments. If you don't have the commandments as a set point, if you're not saying these are God's commandments, this is God's will, I'm keeping my eyes on God. If you don't do that, you'll wander and you will not even realize how far you have wandered from God. And perhaps, and hopefully, something would happen in your life where you wake up and you know what you'll say? I can't believe I got this far away from God. How's it happen? Just take your eyes off of God and you'll begin wondering. Let's look at the next verse. Verse 11. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. We talked about this just a, mo a moment ago, but I just want you to notice the emphasis that the word of God is to be stored up in order to overcome sin. We're not gonna take the time to look at it, but most of you probably know from the top of your mind, if not, make a note and study it. Matthew, the fourth chapter, how did Jesus overcome sin? He had the Holy Scriptures stored up in his heart and in his mind. And when he needed to confront temptation, he confronted temptation through what was stored up. I know some are better at memorizing than others, but listen, we can't make excuses. If we don't know the scriptures, we must, we must have that frank talk with ourselves and say, I've got to spend more time learning the Holy Word of God. Many of you participated last, last month in, in saying the Shema morning and, and evening. I want to challenge you for the next seven days. I want to challenge you to write out verses 9 through 16 by hand. And I want to challenge you every morning and every evening to spend some time looking over these verses. Now, I'm going to be off a little bit on the slides here, but uh, if you want to skip down, look at, at verse 15 and 16. If you have your Bible open, what are we going to do morning and night when we read the Holy Scriptures here? I want to challenge you to do this when you read verse 9 through 16. I want to, I want to encourage you to either memorize it 
or become so familiar with it that you're doing this every morning and every night with this scripture. Look at Psalm 119, verse 15 and 16. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. Now, why is he going to meditate, contemplate, and delight? Why? It's the conclusion here. I will not forget your word. The previous verse we just read said, I'm going to store up your word so I won't sin against you. Well, how are we going to store it up so that we don't forget it? One way to store it up so that we don't forget it is he says, go back and study it. And when you study it, pause and meditate upon it. If I lived out verse nine, what would that look like in my life? Meditate on that. And then contemplate. What's God's will for me to live out verse nine? And then contemplate and meditate with delight. Do you remember Psalm 1? We studied it back in January, and, and it was just a, a wonderful study. Uh, we briefly studied Psalm 1. And remember, it's where the man blesses a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the sea of the scornful. Remember this? But his what? His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, he does meditate day and night. How do we keep the word of God in our mind so that it's stored up for us to avoid sin? Because when we avoid sin, we glorify God with our life. So how do we do that? The psalmist gives us the recipe, if you will, over and over. And the recipe is morning and night, meditate, contemplate and delight in the law of the Lord. I want to encourage you this week when you read Psalm 119, verse 9 through 16, every day, twice a day, just that one stanza, I want you to read it with delight. I want you to read it knowing that the better you understand this, the better your life is going to be. The better you understand this, the greater peace that you're going to have from God. What a beautiful Beautiful thought. All right, let's go back to verse 12 where he says, Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. You see, the estimation of God, the esteem of God has been lifted so high that we approach God in humility. God, I want you to teach me. Again, I, I think that, that probably the young man I quoted this morning, surely if he took some time to think about it, he would take back the words that he said. But listen, when we fail to take, spend time in the word of God, we begin to think higher of ourselves. You hear what I'm saying? When we fail to spend time in the Word of God, we start thinking higher of ourselves and less of God. We spend time in the Word of God, we'll think higher of God, and we will become more humble. That's what this verse is saying. When we look, notice he says, Blessed are you, O Lord. In other words, Lord, I'm lifting you up, and you are so high. I would just be so delighted if you would teach me what a beautiful spirit of humility. Verse 13, with my lips, I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. You know, when you love something so much, you can't help but talk about it. Have you ever noticed that? It's a higher level of commitment to not just say, I want to love and live the word of God. It's another commitment to say, I just have to tell others about it. I'm so excited about this treasure that I have of God and his word. 
I just want to teach others about it. I hope that's our estimation of God's holy word. Look at verse 14. I have rejoiced in your way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I almost hate to use this illustration because it probably becomes personal with some that have had significant losses. But if you'll just be patient with me, I want you to imagine that you're in your house and it's on fire. And the fire's on the other end of the house and you know you only have four or five minutes. What are you going to grab? What is your greatest treasure? Let's read this again. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimony as much as in all riches. What's the greatest value, the greatest treasure you have in your life? Can you honestly say the Word of God is as great as all the treasures that I have? Brethren, we're so blessed with so many copies of this. We're so blessed with so many opportunities to hear it taught. We can go online and, and just listen at a snap or a click. We have, we have opportunities to come to classes and worship, and it's all wonderful. But I just beg you this week, as you think about this and you study this, I beg you to think about, what if you didn't have that opportunity? What, what if you didn't have a copy? What if we only had one or two copies for this whole congregation? And you finally, it was your week for you to take the Bible home with you. How much would you treasure being able to have that copy all week at your house? Listen, because it is common, let it not be of little worth. Let us realize and see the great worth that we have in the Holy Word of God. I want to give you this summary. Next to the last slide. Here's what we've just read. The Holy Word of God, according to verse 9, helps us narrow down our path. We know where to place our steps. The Holy Word of God, in verse 10, helps us seek God. That's why we study, is to seek Him. Verse 11, to be able to have Scripture stored up and recall it, we can avoid sin. Verse 12, Scripture helps us be humble so that we'll lift God up and we'll be teachable. Verse 13 reminds us that when we love it so much, we can't help but talk to other people about this holy scripture that's a treasure to us. Verse 14 reminds us that it's the greatest of all riches that we have. And verse 15 and 16, those were the verses that taught us to meditate upon it, to contemplate it, and to delight in it. And if we'll do those three things, he says, you won't forget it. Now, the only way I know to take that is to turn around and say the opposite is true. If we don't meditate upon it and we don't contemplate upon it and we don't delight in it, we'll probably forget it. So this week, I know surely you already love Scripture. You love the truth. You love the Holy Word of God that, that draws us closer to God. But this week, will you try your best to renew that love and to deepen that love? Spend morning and night meditating, contemplating, and delighting in God's holy word. It's in this holy word that we have the record of the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. How blessed we are to be able to know that Jesus loves us so much he died for us. To know about his grace and his blood being shed to pay the price for our sins. 
how blessed we are to know what He expects our response to be. And tonight, if you're ready to be immersed into Christ for the remission of your sins, we'd love to assist you with that. Tonight, if you're ready to to repent and, and confess sin and pray forgiveness, we'd love to pray with you. Tonight, if there's any way we can help you seek God, to move closer to God in your life, we'd be honored to be able to help you with that.